You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood sexologist, Jess O'Reilly. Excited to be with you here once again. And before we get started, I am Would love to thank Desire Resorts for their support of this podcast. Be sure to check them out at Desire Resorts. I love working with them. I really love being a guest of theirs at their resorts and on their cruises, mostly because I don't have to wear clothing. And I'm sure you will enjoy it too. So check them out at Desire Resorts. Today, we are going to cover a range of very personal topics from painful sex to UTIs to orgasms to peeing when you laugh. Uh, So joining me now to answer my questions and some of yours from Instagram is Marcy Crouch, doctor of physical therapy and board certified women's health clinical specialist. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Wonderful. Thanks for being here. Now, you are a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. And how long has pelvic floor physiotherapy been around? Because I didn't hear about it until a few years ago. I know. You know, we're kind of, we're relatively new in the PT world. It started with a midwife um, a few years ago, and now we're kind of gaining a little bit more um, awareness and a little bit more um, popularity, I guess. Um, But we're definitely, we're definitely kind of like a newer niche practice for sure. Okay. And uh, in terms of why people come to see you, I know there are many reasons, but what, what would be the top three concerns as to why people come visit a, a physiotherapist who specializes in Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think the most common um, that I see in my practice is definitely any sort of pelvic pain or difficulty with sex or penetration of any kind, tampon, speculum, that sort of thing. Um, The other that we see a lot is urinary incontinence. Um, So this is people leaking urine, um, men and women. Um, And I think another reason would be some some bowel issues too. We see a lot of people with constipation, um, digestive problems, basically anything breastbone down and knees up is kind of our territory. Okay, interesting. I just thought of something. You know, I have a, <laughs> not to use you as a as a service provider. No, it's laid on me. It always happens. I love it. I have this wild um, tailbone pain that, that yeah. occurs uh-huh. once in a while, and it's not yeah. broken or anything like that. I haven't given birth. I, I know some people yeah. injure theirs. I know my husband broke his mom's tailbone during birth. Yeah, that happens. Totally. Yeah, that's how we came into this world. I don't know if she's ever forgiven. Yeah. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that's a whole other issue. Yeah, to get to the root cause of relationship stuff. But so right. is this a pelvic floor issue? Could a PT person, a, a PT physiotherapist help me? I'm sorry, a pelvic floor physiotherapist help me with this tailbone? Because it is excruciating and it's not bothering oh, totally. me now, But it comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We see a lot of people with tailbone pain. So the pelvic floor muscles are at the bottom of the pelvis and they attach from the front, the pubic symphysis, and then they sling back and attach to the tailbone and then they go side to side. So there's definitely um, a pelvic floor component. Um, and then the joint itself can be involved too. But we see a ton of people that have tailbone pain, problems sitting, pain with pooping. Um, and there can be like a whole host of reasons, but 
but yeah, we definitely see this a lot and it's, it's very uncomfortable for people to have tailbone pain as you know. Yeah, it's, it's excruciating. And honestly, it hasn't bothered me or flared up in a very, very long time. But the next time it does, uh, one, of your, yeah, one of someone <laughs> in the house is going to be my first yeah. talk. So, yeah. so in terms of gender, I think maybe a lot of yeah. us think you see primarily women. Do you see people of all genders or do you tend toward, toward one? Yeah, personally, I, my practice involves people of all genders. So we see men and women, and then we also work with a transgender population who are transitioning from male to female as well. Um, there are also pelvic floor physical therapists who see children. Um, I am not a pediatric pelvic floor PT, but there are some that specialize in bowel and um, bladder issues in kiddos, but I mainly stick with the adults. But yeah, we see people all ages, all genders. Everybody has a pelvic floor. Everybody pees. Everybody poops. So um, mostly everybody's pretty much appropriate for public court PT if there's a problem. And so should you wait until there's a problem or should somebody come see you just to make sure that they're fit in the area? I love that question. Um, so I think it goes both ways. I, so I love to see new moms and women who are pregnant, um, both from a proactive standpoint and from like a kind of a prep for delivery standpoint. So sometimes women will come to me and they don't have any symptoms, no pain with sex, no um, urinary leakage, no problems with pooping, but they just kind of want to get like a tune up, like a once over, make sure everything is working properly, make sure they're ready for birth, that sort of thing. Um, and I love that because I think people are taking kind of control of their health and they're making sure that they're on the right path. Um, on the other side of the spectrum, we see a lot of people who have been dealing with some of these issues for a very long time. And I think that's because um, they might have had some misguided treatment or they haven't been diagnosed correctly or they just didn't know that there could be a musculoskeletal pelvic floor issue that's contributing to their symptoms. Um, you know, I see a lot of men sometimes, younger guys who have had pelvic pain for a long time and it, it kind of presents like prostate and so they might be diagnosed with a prostate infection when in fact there is no infection and they've been on antibiotics for a long time and now they're developing a lot of um, pain with sitting, pain with um, ejaculation, pain with urination, that sort of thing, but it's really not the prostate, it's the pelvic floor. And same with women, especially if there's like frequent UTIs or frequent yeast infections, that can start to um, develop into like a pelvic floor muscular nerve problem when it, in the um, absence of a culture positive infection. So if things get a little bit muddy, but yeah, we definitely see people kind of before there's any problem. And then unfortunately, when they've been kind of dealing with it for a long time. Well, well, this is interesting because I don't think enough urologists, OBGYNs, uh, proctologists know about your work because I see a lot of people, and of course I don't, I don't deal with medicine, but of course these issues sure. come up when they're talking to me, dealing with prostate yeah. issues, and I don't know of any of them who receive a referral to a pelvic floor PT. Yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's starting to get a little bit more kind of well-known. Um, I try to do, and some of the, my colleagues try to do a lot of in-services for physicians, and we yeah. try to get the like the residents and the young docs. And right. if 
they're unfortunate enough to be at a teaching hospital, then they're getting exposed to pelvic floor PT early in their medical education. Um, and know, and they know that we're out there and we're a good resource for them. Um, when I was living in Portland, I worked at a hospital up there that was a huge teaching hospital. And my office was in the OBGYN office. So I had, my treatment was right next door to where the OBs and the midwives were. So they were very familiar with pelvic floor PT. But when you're kind of out on your own in a, you know, maybe a private practice or an orthopedic clinic trying to do a little bit of pelvic floor stuff, it's definitely more, um, you have to do a lot more education and a lot more awareness and show a lot more studies. But but you're right. I mean, it's not um, the first line treatment and it's not as well known as like ortho PT for somebody that has a sprained ankle or knee surgery or whatever ah. the case may be. Although just as like, important. Of course. It's like if you hurt your knee, your family physician can only do so much. You see a physiotherapist or a massage therapist or a chiro. So yeah. hopefully in, you know, in the, over the next five to 10 years, this will be a first line approach. So yeah. you, you mentioned UTIs. I want to talk about that because yeah. I received this question from a listener. I'm going to read you the whole thing. She okay. says, I'm a 48-year-old woman in Canada. Husband and I have a stag-vixen relationship. My issue okay. is every time I play, I end up with a UTI. I've been tested for STIs. I'm all negative. I'm wondering if it could be a sensitivity to condoms or something else. All of my play sessions have been with bigger men and usually involve very hard intercourse to the point of spotting. I'm menopausal. Mm. I'm mystif- this is a lot of info. Sorry. Uh, menopausal. No, mystif- no cycles. It's not a wetness issue. In fact, I have just out of the blue started gushing and soaking the bed with my husband. I don't want to give up on my newfound sexual discovery, but I also don't want to continue antibiotics followed by yeast infection routine. Mm-hmm. Doctors here, um, ha- I'm going to temper her language. Uh, doctors here have not been the most helpful um, and in fact have a very difficult time getting tested as they force me to give reasons and explanations as to why a 48-year-old woman would need a test. That's a whole other issue. So before we dive in with you, I want to talk about the stag-vixen relationship, the terminology just before we go on. Do you know about this? Um, I don't think so. I'm dying to know, though. So. Okay. Yeah, and I think this is a, not a, a, an extremely common term, and I'm not a label I'm not the label police, so you might define stag-vixen yeah. differently, and that's okay. But my clients who have used this terminology uh, when they refer to a stag, they're usually referring to a man. And when they refer to a vixen, it's usually a woman, uh, which makes okay. sense because it's the term for the female fox. Um, and the stag in these relationship arrangements often enjoys the idea, the act, or the observation of his partner, the vixen, having sex with other men. So she's in a consensually non-monogamous relationship in which she okay. has sex with other men, which is, you know, may not, may or not be relevant, but it's, it's her story. So okay. um, what sure. can we do about these UTIs? Yeah, so I get this a lot. And so I think kind of the interesting piece, I was taking notes while you were writing this, so that <laughs> there's two things that kind of jump out at me with this. One is that she's menopausal, um, and two, that she's having kind of some, like, rough penetration where she's bleeding afterwards. So there have been studies that have shown that women who are postmenopausal are more um, susceptible to UTIs for a couple of reasons. One, they have decreased estrogen in the vaginal canal. And what that does is that it um, increases, the, it changes the pH. And so you can have an increased growth of the enteric bacteria, which is like E. coli, that causes UTI and um, 
bladder infections. The other thing is that if she's having some kind of rough intercourse and some um, aggressive penetration, she just might be getting more bacteria um, from the anal area carrying up into the vaginal canal and up into the urethra. Women, mm -hmm. as we all know, have very, very short urethra, urethras. So bacteria love to just like rush up there and get into the, into the um, bladder and people are women are more susceptible to UTIs than men and postmenopausal women are more susceptible to UTIs than men. So um, one issue can be the estrogen. So if it's safe for her to take estrogen, sometimes the um, gynecologist or the urogynecologist can prescribe a very low dose topical estrogen that she can apply right into the vaginal canal, right around the opening to the vagina. And that basically increases the acidity in the vagina and makes um, an environment more um, healthy for like normal flora, which will kind of get rid of this like yucky bacteria that's in there. Um, and the other part is from a pelvic floor perspective. So what happens, um, you know, after sex is that we should urinate. And normal urination is that the bladder fills with urine and the pelvic floor muscles turn on to keep us continent. And then when we get that urge to go to the bathroom, the pelvic floor muscles should relax all the way. And then the bladder muscle called the detrusor should push urine out. Now, sometimes women and men have um, like a poor coordination of these muscles and the pelvic floor muscles can remain contracted or too tight while the bladder is trying to push urine out. And that can happen sometimes after like rough penetration or painful sex, like the muscles still kind of stay contracted and they're like, ow, 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 they don't want to relax all the way. And then that can cause urine to kind of hang out in the urethra and hang out in the bladder. It's called post-void residual. And we really want to empty our bladder all the way, get all that urine out. A little bit always stays back. It's, it's normal to have a little bit in there. But if we have a lot of urine left over, then that stagnant urine will kind of um, hang around. And it, it, it's, a, it's a more um, susceptible place for that bacteria to grow. Um, and also, of course, if there's some like pelvic organ prolapse, if the urethra or the bladder is sitting a little lower in the vaginal canal, that doesn't really help urine get out all the way. Um, so there's there's a couple different reasons, but but the thing that we want to make sure that that doesn't happen is that urine stays in there. We want all the urine to get out. We want the pelvic floor muscles to relax all the way. We want to make sure there's no bacteria in there, um, and make sure that the muscles are coordinating and working properly. So how do we get all the urine out in terms of like what you can do? Are there exercises people can be doing? Mm -hmm. Is it a matter of sitting on the toilet longer? Like sometimes I notice that I think I've peed everything out, but then if yeah. I'm sitting there because I'm in the middle of typing something with my phone, <laughs> off, um, mm -hmm. just because I haven't gotten up yet, then I'm like, oh, there's yeah. more. And I know there's it's healthy more. to get it out. Like what, what should she yeah. do? Yeah. So, so first thing I would always say is like, you know, see a pelvic floor PT. Let's see what's happening with those muscles. Really, the only way to see what's going on from a functional standpoint is to do an exam. You know, are they contracting the way that they should be? Are they relaxing all the way? When you're when you're voluntarily releasing your muscles, are they still staying tight or are they able to let go? Um, and then if, based on that exam, what we find, if there is tightness left over in those muscles or if they are having a problem contracting, then pelvic floor PT will teach her how to um, make them lengthen the right way and how to contract the right, the right way. There's also behavioral interventions that we can help guide and educate people with. There's something called um, the double void, which is what you've 
kind of described when you're sitting on the toilet. So people that have a hard time emptying all the way, we usually like sit down, have them void, and then stand back up again, and then sit back down on the toilet, and then sometimes a little bit more will come out. And this is kind of like tricking the bladder a little bit, and also um, allowing the muscles to change position and perhaps get a better lengthening afterwards. Um, the problem that we see a lot too is that people try to like push their urine out and like really push on their pelvic floor and bear down and that's not what we want. We want the muscles to just lengthen um, kind of involuntarily. We don't want it to be a forced push which is what we see sometimes with urinary problems and pooping problems. Oh I didn't know you're I knew you're not supposed to push when you go poo but I didn't know about that when you go pee. Yeah, same thing, same thing. So the muscles, you have to think about the pelvic floor kind of like being able to be functional through their whole range. They should be able to contract, they should be able to relax all the way, and then they should be able to bulge just very slightly. We don't want there to be like a full crazy like valsalva where you close your glottis in your throat and like really have to push to pee or poop. That's an indication that there's a problem there in the system. And is that why, like, for instance, if you hold your pee and, you, you know, maybe you had a long ride home and you really had to go and then you're inclined to push, of course, because you want it out of your full bladder. Is that why it's so important not to hold it? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think sometimes we start to. So I see this a lot with um, people who have jobs that don't allow them to go to the bathroom whenever they have the urge. For example, teachers or surgeons or nurses who are on their feet all the time is that you want, like right when you feel that urge, um, you should be able to go, whether it's pooping or peeing. So if you have to hold your urine for a long time, you're kind of overextending your pelvic floor. You're tightening your pelvic floor more to remain continent. Um, and sometimes over time, and the habit of doing that is that the pelvic floor begins to get shorter and begins to get tighter. So it's more difficult for those muscles to lengthen and let um, urine and poop come out the way that they should if they've been like tight all the time. And so people might feel like they have to push really hard to try to get it all out. But what in fact is happening is that you're pushing and using all this abdominal pressure to try to push out pee and poo against a contracted pelvic floor. And then you start to get all of this kind of like disconnect and we call it dysinergia where the pelvic floor starts to contract when it should be relaxing and um, a lot of kind of coordination problems. And then we start to see constipation and urinary frequency and not emptying all the way and then maybe pain with sex and then some genital pain and then it starts to become this like whole big cycle. I want to, well, okay, that's all, all very helpful. I want to also talk about painful sex. Um, yeah. Now, so if you have someone who comes to you, a woman, someone with a vagina, what are the top mm -hmm. causes of painful sex? So many things. Um, so I think it can, be, it can be a lot of things. Sometimes I feel that, you know, some people just kind of run tight in their pelvic floor. It's very similar to somebody who might be clenching their jaw or holding their shoulders up when they're stressed. My patients tend to sometimes hold their tension in their pelvic floor muscles. Um, whether you're clenching your tummy or squeezing your butt, we kind of do this involuntarily. Um, I think that that's kind of like a common thread. The other thing can be... Um, chronic UTIs or chronic yeast infections, having pain around all the time can cause our muscles to kind of reflexively guard and contract. And over time, they start to think that that's like the normal position that they should be in, like they should always be contracted. And then just physiologically, they're unable to lengthen. They just can't relax because they're so used to being contracted all the time. Another reason would be any sort of like... Um, 
alignment problem or or low back issue, or maybe even if somebody was walking around um, in a boot for eight weeks because they broke their ankle, and that causes some um, kind of asymmetry and problems in their pelvis, like one side is higher than the other side because they've been walking around with this lift on their foot for two months, that can cause some pelvic floor issues also because one side of the pelvic floor is in a different position relative to the other. Um, and then, uh, and also people who are very, very fit. We see a lot of um, very strong women and men, crossfitters, um, marathon runners, Olympic weightlifters, a lot of ballet dancers, people who do a ton of core work most often will have a lot of pelvic floor hypertonicity or a lot of pelvic floor tightness because it all goes together. And um, it's just like an overuse injury. You know, sometimes we just work our muscles too hard and they become tight. Just the same thing can happen in the pelvic floor. And then, of course, birth. Any issues right. after pregnancy or birth or, you know, perineal tearing or surgeries or whatever the case may be. That, that The exercise one is really interesting to me because we're always – you know, reading research suggesting that the more you exercise, the better your sex life, the more orgasmic you are, the sure. more intense yeah. your orgasms, the more frequent. So yeah. in terms of this, this clenching or working out your yeah. core, and I know that yeah. this is a very broad approach, but is there something that yeah. we, many of us are doing wrong in our core workouts that perhaps, it, you know, maybe it's getting you that six pack, but it's impacting yeah. your orgasmic yeah. capacity in some way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a great question. And, and this, I tell my patients this all the time. It's all about balance. Okay. So the analogy that I use is that, you know, if you go to the gym and you're going to do bicep curls, right, or leg or knee curls or whatever, you're not walking around all day holding a 10-pound or 20-pound dumbbell in your arm with your bicep contracted. Like you do a set of 10 and then you rest, and then you do a set of 10 and then you rest. And then the next day you go to the gym, you do legs, and then the next day you do arms again. The same thing should happen with the pelvic floor. We don't need to be doing pelvic floor exercises all day, every day to have, quote unquote, a tight vagina. Your pelvic floor is skeletal muscle. It needs to be able to relax and lengthen just like any other muscle in your body. And people sometimes overdo that. The, the thing about the pelvic floor is that it's on all the time to support us, support our pelvic organs, help us maintain continence. So it doesn't really get a rest necessarily like your biceps would get. So it is easy to overdo it a little bit. Um, so, you know, if you're a very fit person and if you're doing a lot of core work, I mean, I don't think it's bad, especially if you're not, you know, symptomatic, but you have to be conscious of what your pelvic floor is doing and making sure that you're relaxing it all the way and able to lengthen it all the way. And it's not getting to the point where the muscles start to think they need to be contracted all the time. Now, there are studies that show that women have a greater sexual satisfaction and you know greater orgasm the stronger your pelvic floor is um, and most of these studies are done on women who have weakness in their pelvic floor low tone wow. pelvic floor dysfunction prolapse um, they don't have like pain with intercourse most of the pain patients that I see 
don't have low tone pelvic floor. They have tightness and spasm and muscular trigger points within their pelvic floor. Women with low tone and weakness and supportive problems usually don't have pain in their vaginal canal. They don't have pain with intercourse. They might have, you know, some back pain or some weakness, but they don't have like pain with penetration. So, so the studies are showing that these women are getting better sexual outcomes and better orgasm because, of course, their muscles are getting stronger. And we know that orgasm is a muscle contraction. So that absolutely makes sense. But on the for the pain population, they you know it might not be appropriate for them to do a ton of strengthening and a ton of core work right away. You know maybe down the road once the pelvic floor can be functional through its entire range, contracting all the way, relaxing all the way, then you can start to strengthen. But if you have a muscle that's contracted all the time, not functional. Okay, so if I'm for instance doing sit-ups or crunches, is there yeah. anything I can be mindful of while I'm doing that? core exercise to make sure that I'm not, um, and I don't know if I'm going to use the correct terminology here, but yeah. straining my pelvic floor or putting undue stress yeah. on yeah, yeah, yeah. So your pelvic floor and your deep abdominals, your transverse abdominis, they work together. They're called synergists. So when you're doing, you know, planks or some kind of lower core work, your pelvic floor should be on. But then when you stop that exercise, you should be able to volitionally let your pelvic floor go. You know, let your kind of abdominal muscles relax. Take a deep breath in and out. Make sure that you're not like clenching your vaginal canal, clenching your buttocks, clenching your anal sphincter, and able to um, kind of associate a contraction versus a non-contraction. Um, and it's just about like releasing in between and just giving yourself a rest time. You know, make sure that you're, you know, not doing 400 crunches in a row or 400 planks in a row. You know, do 10 and then rest. You know, give your pelvic floor and your core time to let go and then do another set. And, and then maybe rest. just with like a few deep breaths where you purposely yeah. like just relax your body, yeah. just three breaths yeah. make a difference. Yep. Yep. And the deep squat is a great position for pelvic floor relaxation. Like if you're going oh. to the bathroom over a hole in the ground, just like sitting in a deep squat, kind of, you know, um, supported against the wall or having your arms on a chair or the sofa. That's a great position if your knees and ankles can handle it for lengthening the pelvic floor muscles. That's why, you know, we go to the bathroom in that position. That's why squatting when you're pooping is the best position. That's why women have babies in that position. It's just lengthening the pelvic floor muscles out. Another really good one is um, happy baby pose in yoga. It's basically a squat, but you're on your back. So you're just horizontal versus vertical. And again, oh. it's just like releasing the pelvic floor. You're getting some nice, big, deep abdominal breaths in there um, and just kind of letting those muscles just take a break and kind of lengthen. Not pushing out, but just lengthening. So you kind of pull your legs on top of your body, like bend your, bend yeah. your knees? Okay, and that I one you think can like, hold without any effort, really. Yep, yep, yep. So if people have like poor, you know, um, not great mobility in their ankles or their knees or have, you know, some knee pain, getting into a deep squat can be a little bit challenging. But happy baby pose, you can just Google it. You'll, you'll find it. You can lay on your back and you kind of go knees to chest and then you point your feet up towards the ceiling just like a baby would do, you know, like. Yes. When you're changing the diaper. Um, and just kind of just very gently hold that position, some deep belly breaths, and that will kind of just help the pelvic floor lengthen. And that's a good position for people to get in if they're having experiencing some pain after intercourse or even before to kind of prep the pelvic floor to lengthen. Oh, interesting. Okay, so happy baby pose. I, I, want, I have so much to ask you, but I'm going to pepper you with yeah. a few more questions before I let yeah. you go. Um, in terms of penises, pelvic floor... Yeah. 
health is related mm-hmm. to erection. Is that, is that correct? Can you explain what you can do to improve your erection via pelvic floor exercises or a program with a pelvic yeah. floor therapist? Yeah, yeah. So this, so the studies that are out there on um, improving erectile function and pelvic floor physical therapy have been geared towards men who have had prostate cancer or prostate removal because they have had, they experience erectile dysfunction following those procedures. So what the studies are showing is that men who go to phys- pelvic floor physical therapy and um, have skilled instruction in pelvic floor exercises and perform them correctly do show an improvement in erectile function. Most of the young guys that I see in my clinic don't have erectile dysfunction from weakness. They have like pain with erection and pain with ejaculation and um, pelvic pain because their muscles are too short. But the gentlemen that I do see who have erectile dysfunction because of weakness um, are kind of fall into this post-prostatectomy population. And they do show a little bit improvement of erection with pelvic floor exercises, but I do think that there are other um, complementary things to help with that. Like sometimes, you know, they're on Viagra or they might get injections or they might use like a pump or something like that um, to help kind of, but, but you can, the pelvic, the stronger your pelvic floor is, the more you're going to kind of help keep the blood in the penis and have a little bit um, more forceful ejaculation. Oh, I was going um, to ask about that because people are often asking about how they can ejaculate more and we're not going to be able to you know make them ejaculate more but with more yeah. strength that's related to your pelvic floor tone sometimes i never say yes for sure but i say like maybe you know maybe it's possible. <laughs> Is it like yeah i mean i don't i think it like if it happens then it's a bonus but i never say that it's like something that we treat specifically right. um because you don't I ha- need to come harder Right. <laughs> and and I and I there's a lot of other tissues that are responsible for that. You know, it's like the spongy tissue in the penis and what's happening at the prostate and all that other stuff. So pelvic floor is just one component of that. But anecdotally, my young guys who I see for pain and pain with ejaculation and pain with sex and erection and that sort of thing, you know, once their pelvic floor becomes um, more functional and, and more um, normal in terms of length and contractions, they say that they're, and this is all anecdotal, they say that their ejaculation and their thrusting and their erection feels, you know, better, obviously, because they don't have pain, but also just more, um, like, not as strained. Like, it's just kind of more of, like, a release afterwards. And I think it's because they get a better public floor release after they're done. Okay, this this makes sense. Now, uh, I have so many more questions. I'm going to pick one last one. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I received a question from a woman with whom I play Ultimate Frisbee. And okay. she says that when she runs, when she just does jumping jacks, when she laughs, she's peeing. So is this normal? Mm-hmm. Should it be normal? What can mm-hmm. she do about it? Yeah, so... Um, so yeah, so the whole thing that we have to kind of, um, talk about at the very beginning of this is that common is not the same as normal. So Mm -hmm. just because something is common does not mean that it's normal. Mm -hmm. A lot of women, um, experience this, you know, myself included, I've had two big babies vaginally Mm -hmm. and I'm a pelvic floor BD and I experience the same stuff. Um, but 
the the biggest thing is I would say like see a pelvic floor PT you know let's look and see what your pelvic floor is doing the pelvic floor has to be able to be strong and coordinated and lengthen all the way so sometimes leaking can be an issue of weakness as you know commonly it is and other times leaking can be an issue from just coordination like the muscles are just having a hard time doing what they should be doing from a motor control standpoint um, so you know, the muscles have to be able to be strong, they have to be able to support the pelvic organs, the bladder and the urethra, and with jumping and running, that's a lot of dynamic pressure down on those muscles and those organs. So think of just the demand that the, that they have to go through um, every day supporting you, and then you add in, you know, weightlifting or add in running or lifting a baby or jumping on a trampoline or whatever the case may be, and it's just increased load. So, you know, the system is going to fail at some point when the load becomes too great for what the muscles are capable of doing. Um, so that's when, that's where pelvic floor PT comes in. We can do, you know, we evaluate the tissues. We start on a graded exercise program. You know, we build a good baseline of strength and then go into, you know, functional exercises for whatever the patient um, may need. But, you know, the, the thought that this is like a normal, thing that happens after babies or as we age really just should be banished. I mean, right. just because it happens a lot does not mean that like you have to live like this, you know, right. like this is not something that women or men want to be dealing with and, you know, they shouldn't have to if there's, you know, things that we can do. And of okay. course, if PT is not appropriate, you know, or, or we try PT and we don't do what, you know, we don't reach our goals, then, you know, we go back to the doctor and see, you know, if there's some other options for us. But PT should be, you know, the first line. Most and when you say functional exercises, just to give people an idea, obviously everybody knows yeah. about Kegels. I've talked about the yeah. fact that not everybody should be doing Kegels, that it's not as simple Perfect. as doing Kegels. But yeah. are there other yeah. exercises you assign? Like you mentioned that squatting um, can help you to, to relax and release. What mm -hmm. you know, I know that this isn't a specific program to um, – yeah. To, to prescribe to one person in particular, but what types of exercises might you recommend? Yeah, so it it totally depends on what how the person is presenting and what their kind of initial level of muscle functioning is. Um, so, for example, if you know, let's say we have a runner who is not leaking at any other time, just with running. Say, like she's not leaking when she laughs, she's not leaking when she coughs, she doesn't have any urinary frequency, she's like doing fine, no pain, but she's running, and by the end of mile three, she's starting to leak a little bit. So, you know, I'll do an assessment, and let's just say, you know, for the sake of argument that she's got a pretty good pelvic floor strength. But I assess it laying down. You know, I don't assess it when she's running. I assess it when she's laying on the table. So then the exercises that I'm going to give her are going to be more specific to the demands that she's putting on her pelvic floor. So we might do some, like, pelvic floor exercises while she's bouncing on a Swiss ball, or we'll have her do some pelvic floor contractions with her abdominal muscles while she's doing some walking lunges, or maybe some single leg balance, or adding in some adding in some weights and some, you know, squatting with those um, with those weights and pelvic floor exercises to kind of build up to where we need to get from both a strength and endurance portion for her running. Now, this is totally different maybe than somebody that comes in who's leaking kind of all the time or leaking with laughing or coughing or sneezing or, right. you know, making it to the bathroom. You know, they might need to start out doing pelvic floor exercises, laying down without gravity, without the weight of their pelvic organs on their pelvic floor um, to build up that strength and um, motor control and, and the correct habit and way of doing your pelvic floor exercises. And then we progress to sitting and standing and, you know, lifting and you know blah 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 but it's okay. totally different for everybody 
Yeah, this is really great because I want people to understand that you don't go to a pelvic floor therapist so they can teach you do, to do a Kegel. The program totally. is very tailored. It's certainly uh, yep. functional because, as you said, it makes yep. sense. If I'm having trouble while I'm playing Frisbee, it may not be that right. useful to just do exercises sitting down. And I know that, that right. you have to go and we have to wrap up, but this is really interesting okay. stuff. Uh, this oh, is the research that I have my eye on because it seems that we are still good. learning uh, because it is relatively new. And so people are going to want to follow along and follow you. Where can people find yeah. you? So I'm on Instagram at um, the down there doc. So they can okay. find me and follow me on there. And then um, I have a website. I'm opening a clinic here in Los Angeles. And um, my website is www.restorativepelvicphysicaltherapy.com. Um, and there's a link to that website on my Instagram account as well. Um, and on my Facebook page, which is the same, restorativepelvicphysicaltherapy.com. Okay, great. Well, we'll make sure to share those links as well. I, I learned a lot today, so hopefully others Good. do too. I have, a, I have many more questions. I really want to have you back to talk about yeah, uh, anytime. Uh, prolapse and different positions yes. to support that. That's, and that's a very yeah. interesting topic. So we'll have you back again. So thank, thank you very you. much. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thank you so much to Marcy and thank you to you for listening. Thank you, of course, to at Desire Resorts. I know we only scratched the surface here. So if you have questions that you think an expert like Marcy may be able to answer, please do send them our way. We love hearing from you. Follow along at Sex with Dr. Jess and I'll be back every Friday, next Friday, 9 a.m. with a new episode. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.